my microphone is hanging up here. So in order to really get a good effect, I'd have to like reach my hands up. And... I don't even know if that's doing anything. I'm getting sleepy now. <laughs> uh oh. Alan St. Maximin. Alan St. Maximin. This is now Welcome to an Alan St. Maximin podcast. Welcome to You'll Never Talk Alone. I'm your friend Joseph Craven. Alex Level joining me on a, uh, it's a lovely Saturday morning here where I am. Alex, I can only assume where you are. It is a disaster zone, a terrible, terrible day in general. Uh, it was until Connor Cody ducks like a salmon <laughs> to, to head home against Chelsea in the last minute. He really did look very fish-esque. Yeah. It really did at that moment look like he was trying to get upstream yeah. for mating season. Oh yeah, we just as we were uh, getting ready for the to record this Saturday morning pod. Obviously, Liverpool's got a match coming up against Tottenham later today. <clears throat> we might speak a little bit about that, but uh, as far as we're concerned right now, there's more important stuff to discuss in the Champions League. Woo! Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and uh, well, as we're getting set up, of course. Wolves, Chelsea with the chance to lock down a top four spot. Couldn't do it. <laughs> Wolves got him at the end. That's hilarious. We're getting ready in a little bit here to watch uh, Christian Ronalod and and Mancrester Untied play against, against Brighton. That's uh, that's coming up soon. What? It, uh, how? Like, how did that happen? If you're if you're not familiar. Uh, Manchester United tweeted out their starting 11 and misspelled Ronaldo's name. I'm sorry, just one of the most recognizable names in the entire sport, and they spelled it Ronalot, <laughs> which is a delicious Southeast Louisiana sauce to put on top of seafood. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of it, but <laughs> this is not, it's not right. It's not right, but... At the same time, it's so right. So, yeah. What a morning it's been already. <laughs> delicious. Just delicious. Uh, obviously, touch and base here on May 7th. We have just locked in the Champions League final officially um, in what was a, a, a crazy match. Uh, that second leg ended up being a lot crazier than I think any of us expected. Against Villarreal. Now they're they're just a team. Let me ask you this first and foremost. All right, we're going to talk a lot about the Champions League because it's set in stone, and we're excited about that coming up in three weeks. Uh, we got the FA Cup final coming up next week, so we'll be talking about that. Not there will. I'm just going to warn you, dear listener. Not going to be a lot of Premier League talk on this particular episode because, quite honestly, you. I mean, like if we're if we're being frank here, the Premier League at this point is a waiting game. Yeah, You know, what do we have to talk about? We wait to see if City slips up and we wait to see if we keep coasting, you know, but we still have a treble in hand in the next few weeks to lock down in knockout competitions. And so that's what that's what we're trying to focus on here. But Alex, let me ask you this first and foremost, because I was having a conversation with a friend. As all of a sudden, I just got a java notification that java needs to update on my computer that wasn't distracting at all thanks <laughs> java alex let me ask you this i was talking with a friend earlier in the week and they mentioned how it seems like villarreal is one of those clubs that um 
<clears throat> that that just does better in European competition than in domestic competition. Um, does that seem accurate? What's why is that? If that's the case, because I always feel like they're like hanging out in the Champions League and are always a difficult matchup in the Champions League. But then you look at them in La Liga and they're like, eh. <laughs> "What? Why is that?" Uh, there's a couple of factors, I think. First and foremost, they have Unai Emery as their manager now, mm-hmm. and he is like the official UEFA manager. I mean, most of the time <laughs> it's in the Europa League, as we saw last year, and like forty-eight thousand times prior to that with Sevilla. Um, so like he just knows how to handle cup competitions, and that's just his specialty. Uh, and it's just a lot easier for a club of their size and resources because, I mean, obviously this is not meant as disrespect at all. They are quite literally a tiny club from a tiny town. Like they're, right. they're yeah. not from a big city. The whole city can essentially fit in the stadium. Um, if they had made the Champions League final, the whole city could have gone with the ticket yeah. allocation. <laughs> um, I mean, they're just – they're not – a big club size wise, but they've been around, they've been run well. They don't have some, they don't have a manager or an owner who is wild and crazy and will sack everybody left and right. Like they've, they've gone through different styles and iterations. They've been around for a lot longer Mm -hmm. than a club of their size. And you would think they'd be good. I mean, you look back to the early 2010s and they had like, Giuseppe Rossi and Connie and those players. And then even further back when they were in the Champions League semifinal, like they just are really well run, but for, for within their means with the players they're using, like they have good players, but they're not that tier up. They're like as, as good as you can be for being a really solid club. And that just wears you down over the course of 38 matches. But when it's, I don't know, 15, it's a lot easier to do that to handle 15 matches and get those one-offs and uh, they really lean into the, on any day, any team can beat anyone kind of ethos. And so that's, and it ends up working for them. I mean, they knocked out some huge clubs and yeah, and played some great stuff over the course of the the campaign. So I mean, fair play to them. And it sounds like their fans were fantastic and nice and just everybody had a lovely old time. Yeah. They, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's always fun. Fun. They're they're just it's they're always a fun team or a fun storyline to keep up with mm-hmm. because they're one of those rare occasions in which they're always going to be an underdog. Mm-hmm. You know they're never really going to be a favorite, but they're always going to be competitive. It seems at least, and I just you don't see that very often anywhere in sports. Um, you might see like in in college basketball, you saw it for a little while with Gonzaga. Well, now Gonzaga is a powerhouse team. Like they're always expected to be a competitor. So like that, they don't count anymore with, I feel like with Villarreal, they're always a team that like, it's easy to kind of get behind them because they're going to at least always try to be competitive in European competition, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And it still is, you know, that smaller, it's kind of the reason why, like, you know, I know Zach and I on the podcast talked a lot about our our love of Brighton due to a lovely Saturday that we spent in Brighton eight years ago now, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, we we talk a lot about that, but that was some of the appeal of Brighton was like it was this smaller, very community focused team, very com- uh, strong community emphasis uh, in the in, you know, the following the team and all of that. The problem with Brighton is that they're just not always competitive you know 
They've had they have moments in which they're just up and down all the time, and then they never reach a point in which they qualify for Europe. So we don't see them in other competitions in terms of that, you know. So it's it's fun to see Villarreal. It's kind of the point I'm trying to make, and uh, you don't see it often. You can't help but enjoy it. Now, what type of statement do you think that we made with that victory over them? In particular, that second leg that got tricky at first, and then like in about the span of like it felt like 45 seconds. All of a sudden, it was like, nah, just kidding, we're good. <laughs> we're still we're we're still who we thought we were, you know. But what what statement do you think we made about um, getting behind, letting them back in the aggregate matchup? but then jumping right back out. And obviously there's a, you know, there's an other side to that that we will talk about in a little bit and, and how our opponents for the final uh, got to where they are. But uh, how do, what statement did we make you think in, in holding off a, a feisty opponent like that? Uh, I think we just made the statement that we were being nice to the champions league and, letting viewers tune back in to a tie that should have been completely settled. Uh, I think we showed a little bit of complacency and it got a bit unlucky on the first one for sure. Just switching off that little bit, um, kind of reminding you that you can't take anyone for granted. You can't assume anything. You can't just show up and be better than everyone. You actually have to play better than everyone. Yeah. Um, so I, I honestly, I think that was a good wake up call before this Spurs match that we have today. Um, Makes sense. And then, Sorry, one more note on the Villarreal thing. The, oh, yeah. the one time they were kind of jerks. I remember the Europa League semifinal we played against them was kind of tense. But that seemed to be all down to Marcelino being an asshat. So I, I think <laughs> that was kind of the only time that they, they weren't like the likable small club. They were just like the annoying small club. But they seem to have, have figured that out and changed it again. But that that happens. I mean, you can't you can't always have a squad that like is respectful every yeah. now and then yeah. like you know even we have you know there's times in which like we look at something andy robertson does and we love andy because he's andy for us yeah but like we look at him and we're like oh man he's kind of he could he could be very dislikable you yeah. know <laughs> it would be easy to root against him <laughs> so it happens but we yeah. love him we do and, and uh, the other thing it showed is that we we do have those gears to go through we do have people to bring off the bench that we can um, and it almost seems like it, we are so used to playing in this new kind of adapted system. Like we had Jota and Mane and Salah kind of drifting back into what they'd done earlier in the season, but now Mane's more used to playing through the middle and used to Diaz being out there. And when Diaz yeah. came on, you can you, you saw that everything seemed to click a little bit better. Uh, and that might be mostly due to Jota coming off the bench recently or just being tired from doing so much work in the first half of the season. Um, but yeah, we, we, we showed we have those gears and that Klopp can still give great halftime speeches and that yeah. players don't suck. Like the players that weren't playing well in the first half, they turned it around. They're really good players and everyone's got a, a role that they fulfill within this team and they're able to do it when they are all switched on. And yeah, I think that was the big thing is that we, we have to stay switched on. And this is, again, a stark reminder. Like we're in for a quadruple and we're in yeah. multiple finals, but yeah. you can't let up at all because – so someone will punish you. Yeah. Well, that, and that's where I'm glad you, you worded that way about like, you know, everything seemed to click or like the, you know, our style, all of that. We have such a, a unprecedented in terms of in, you know, the amount of time we've been doing this podcast, the amount of time that we've been watching matches together anyway, like 
I mean, it's kind of an unprecedented level of identity in the club uh, where it you can plug in, you can take out a player and put in their substitute and they fit well, maybe bring a different dynamic, but everything just clicks a whole lot better. And this is what I was having uh, part of that conversation, the same conversation I had with that friend earlier in the week about uh, how Villarreal always seems to do pretty well in Europe was kind of also a conversation about he's fairly new to keeping up with the sport on a, on a close level. And he, he, it's just, he's like, it's just fascinating. Um, Cause he's, he's a coach of a different sport. So he can appreciate good coaching. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's fascinating watching teams that are run by Jurgen Klopp or Pep, you know, those where you have those top coaches, you could see uh, the, the identity that they bring to their squad in terms of like how they build the squad and the players they go after. And we talk about it a lot, but how we are so selective in our uh, player acquisition process. And it's because we want to make sure that we get a player that we know when we put them in, they're going to contribute to what we are trying to do as an entire unit, as a club, as a, a, a unit on the pitch, you know? And, and so it's just fascinating. And I think you're absolutely right. That was a great example in that match of, uh, of you know, players feeling fatigued, players getting worn down a little bit, and being able to put in some fresher guys, and it immediately adding a new dimension, but also just fitting what we're doing in general. Like that's such a unique thing right now, where we're not just, I don't know, trying to do the exact same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And trying to find guys that are like like for like substitutions, we're not just doing that. We're bringing in guys that, yeah, they they meet what we want them to do, but they also add something new at the same time, and it does change things, and it throws a wrench uh, in the defensive plans uh, for the other team, stuff like that. It's great. This is something that we haven't. We could see looking back now how we were building up to it, but this is a point that I don't even know if we could have expected this five years ago <laughs> when when this Jurgen Klopp journey started. Uh, it's it's crazy, and it's so much fun to see kind of this this result. I mean, this is obviously not the end result. He's he's here for four more years and has you know, I'm sure we'll have another player that we sign in the summer that we're like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then he comes in and is amazing. <laughs> who knows? But but it, it's really it's amazing to see where we are right now uh, with the fluidity of how we can we can play and how we can face an, an opponent. Yeah, we have options off the bench. And I think we've tried to say that 8,000 times since yep. since we started this. And now it's yep. actually true and it's actually working. And it's not just that, like you said. It's, it, it, it's, it's, in the, it's in the tone, I think. We used to say, well, we have options on the bench. But now we're like, oh, I mean, <laughs> we got options on the bench. Yeah. Like, it's in the tone of how we say it now. <laughs> yeah, and it, to your point, it is they come in and they do – kind of the same thing but they bring their own interpretation to it and it's yep. just that's something that we've been looking for for a really long time and it's part of the evolution of the squad that the that we've been trying to go for and it, it makes us so much better and it allows us to score three goals out of nothing and make it yep. seem like any sort of jeopardy about the tie was was a, a fleeting memory yep. like it just was totally, over in a flash. totally unfounded yeah exactly yeah. it's wild I, lo- I love it it just I've I know I've said it before here on the podcast, but I, I gotta say it again. This team is just a joy to watch. 
They just are. Like, even when they're not playing super well or they're being a little bit frustrating to as a fan to, like, tune into, they still they still are a joy to watch. And I still can't – like, there's been so many times in which we've been doing well, but we haven't been yeah. <laughs> we haven't been worth watching at the same time, you know? Right. And this is just I, – I, I stay glued all the time because you have to, um, which is – it's just so much fun. Here's a question I want to ask you, and this was – I told you before we hit record that I had a couple of questions that I didn't want you to be prepared for. Oh boy. Um, and I, I, one of them I'm going to get to in a minute. It's very simple uh, and you won't have a trouble talking about it, but this one I'm very curious about because you've already mentioned Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz, obviously because it's a, you know, swapping them out for each other, but we've had a great run in the last few years of some high impact immediate signings most of them being guys that we didn't expect like obviously we knew Virgil van Dyke was going to come in and change things Mm -hmm. we knew we needed Allison but then like you know the Jota signing was a surprise to everyone yeah you know uh the Diaz signing seemed to just happen out of thin air there were some rumors but all of a sudden it's like oh by the way it's happening he's coming here he is now he's playing yeah now he's playing all that uh, when you look at some of those recent guys, so we'll go back to like Van Dyke and Allison. We can include them if you want, but like I think it's pretty obvious, like they were needs. These guys that we brought in recently, a Tiago, uh, a Diaz, a Jota, um, you know, guys that I think we could say were not necessarily a quote unquote unquote need because we didn't need an immediate starter, but have been a high impact. If you look at all that, who do you think out of those if ha- has been like the biggest immediate impact? And it doesn't mean that they have to be like the most important player when they're on. I just mean like who do you think came in and immediately had a, a big impact, like the most out of all of them, immediately changed things? That's tough. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give a cop-out answer. I'm going to give two answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first – and it might be recency bias, but I, it's hard to think of someone who looked so natural of a fit besides Diaz. I mean, Jota looked good and scored big goals, yeah. Uh, but it did take him a while, and he got injured a few times because that's just right. what people do on our team last season. But <laughs> Diaz came in, and he didn't look overawed by the occasion. He didn't really understand anyone and now he hangs out with Curtis and Harvey and he still can't understand anyone. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> but that, that uh there was a Reddit post we might have to link to on the on the Twitter account or something that uh we got shared with recently that was hilarious. <laughs> but I mean he's just out here balling. That's what yeah. he, he's just he doesn't even he's not phased by anything. He's just going at people. He's taking silky touches. He's playing his making his like first start for the club in a final and being the best player on the field. He's just, yep. he's just a joy. And like all the players that have come in are, are joys and they are super fun in their own ways. I mean, Konate was our leading scorer yes. for a while in the champions league. Yeah. Cause he just kept scoring goals. But and Jota again, like I feel like there's just weird, this weird discussion of like, who's better now between Diaz and Jota, like just enjoy them both. They've both been yes. fantastic. And like, we're allowed to have multiple good players. <laughs> We're so yeah. conditioned because of our past with this team for the past 15 years that we're not allowed to have like multiple good players, but we, this is exactly what we wanted. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Diaz just on the field, um, 
has been an instant impact. But I, I also got to shout out Tiago as an impact yeah. player off the field because he comes in and then you start watching all those inside training videos and those like club marketing videos. And every time they ask someone about training, they're just like Tiago. He does all this yeah. insane stuff. I've never seen anything like it. Like he, he, he like he just he's such a winner yep. and has come back from multiple injuries and it just has that mentality. And I think he brings that to the team in training and off the pitch. And I mean, I know we have that elsewhere, but he took it up to the next level and he, he just like has all these people trying all this crazy stuff. Cause like I said, like you just listen to them talk and they're just like this guy, I don't know how he's yeah. doing all this stuff in training. He's just the most insane person I've ever seen in terms of skill and technique and, it, it just up leveled us. And now that he's been fit this season, you see why we brought him in. You see why like all these people last season that were like, Oh, he's not getting goals and assists. Like that's just not really what he's there for. Right. But, he, but what he does offer is what can turn a winning club into like a top level elite. Yeah. Almost like best club in history kind of thing. Yep. Yep. See, I I knew you'd have something good to say. That's why I wanted to ask you this. That's I love it. I love because that's a, that's a great point about Tiago. Because Tiago was not the quickest on the field impact player. The way he plays, and also just the mentally different level that he's on, and how he sees the game, it took some adjusting to for the the players that he was with, but also for the fans. It yeah. <laughs> you know it took the fans a little while to appreciate what he what he brought but um but off you're absolutely right i mean like he was he didn't fit the mold of who we normally go after and i know that we were specifically targeting him for pretty much like the entire summer but he didn't fit the mold of who we normally target as a player because he was more of a you know slightly older veteran type mm-hmm. and we tend to pick these guys that are you know mid 20s maybe a little bit raw but we know that they will be a perfect fit for what we're doing and we can like put the finishing touches on their development you know mm-hmm. we we tend to target those guys he was a guy who was like no 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 he brings a very specific thing and like he's not going to change into somebody else <laughs> but he has so much experience so much leadership uh, so many leadership qualities uh, so much as you said he's just a winner in general uh so yeah he was such a unique off the field presence to bring in that's a great point uh what of course prompted me for you know to bring this up in general is yeah i think it's the do you even call it a debate the debate that people are wanting to have about oh jota or ds yeah who gives a crap about that but that being said i only bring it up because i was blown away by because Jota surprised us. We were like, oh, we're we were targeting him. Okay. And then he came in and he was awesome. Yeah. And he he blew me away and I was really impressed. But I it just adds to how impressed I am with Diaz. Yeah. Because obviously they're both incredible and I love them both. And I hope that they, you know, uh, if if Sadio and Mo lose a bit of a step as they get into their, you know, their 30s or deeper in their 30s, all that, I hope that. Jota and, and Diaz just pick right up and have great, you know, careers with us as well. But oh my gosh, I did not expect this out of Luis Diaz. I just did it. Like he he is a flat out spark plug. 
you yeah. know, in, in every sense of, of how what you want out of a player that you might refer to as a spark plug, you know, just bringing energy, immediately generating something. It is insane. Yeah. His, yeah. Like, I got people who couldn't couldn't give a crap about Liverpool texting me um, who cheer for like other teams or don't even, or don't even typically watch the premier league or <laughs> friends of mine that are like, you know, hardcore Bundes boys or something like that are like texting me like, Oh my gosh, this Diaz dude, what, <laughs> where did he come from? You know? So his impact, the, I, I think, just think it's so incredible. The impact that both of them had now, yeah. and it, it makes me, it makes me like, start to get a little bit spoiled, I think. Um, and like now I just expect that I know he's like 12 years old, but I expect like Corvalho to come in next season and have an even <laughs> bigger impact. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, it's what we do now. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, it's impressive. And I don't ever want to gloss over how impressive it is that we, uh, we, we found these guys that we just knew would fit. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, we're good players, and both of them had a good reputation before we got them, but neither of them were were doing this. Yeah, you know? exactly. Neither of them were doing this. Mo Salah had kind of fallen off a little bit before we brought him back. You know, like obviously Roma, he, he got back into who he was supposed to be at Roma, and Chelsea was just trying to break him. Um, but, but like, it, it's just incredible how we just find the guys and go, yeah, bring them in. And it's so good. And I don't ever want to stop. I don't want to ever lose like my, my awe and wonder at how, how good it is when that happens. Cause we've gotten really good at it. Gone are the days of just like, God bless him snagging Ricky Lambert. Yeah. And, and just hoping that he's going to, he's going to do more. Oh God. I just, I wish, I wish the best for him. I'm glad he got to suit up for us though. Yeah. He, you know, childhood dream and all won that contest was able to play for us. Yep. It's like was it like a like a footballer like make a wish situation? I guess so. Like, or like that TV show that uh, like uh, be a pro. I can't remember what it was yeah. called. That ended up some guy. I think it was Tom Rogic ended up playing for Celtic because of it. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know about that. That's funny. But anyway, I just had to ask you that. Uh, I just I felt like it. A the debate is dumb. Yeah. Who cares if one of them's better? <laughs> Just enjoy them. It's it's impressive what both of them are doing. What Tiago was doing, it's impressive. I mean, Kanate is not like the flashiest immediate impact, but you know he he fits that defensive line and what we ask out of our center backs perfectly. And you can only expect that you know in a couple of years it, he maybe you know is is starting more and more often than he becomes kind of the the rock. You know, I feel like center backs can develop. A little bit more gradually sometimes. So uh, anyway, let's let's move on to maybe the other end of that Champions League final coming up at the end of this month. Obviously, we had an opponent who tried to jump back at us and we fended them off. Yeah. Manchester City did not. <laughs> Manchester City should have and could have sealed a victory against Real Madrid many times. In fact, watching that match for about 70-ish minutes, I forget exactly when it is that Real scored towards the end, but for most of that match, I was watching and going, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of these teams want to do anything right. Like, they kept getting into the into the opposition's box and just being like, all right, time to send this thing in the upper decks. I just yeah. rock it. 
It was constant. It was terrible. But what what happened, Alex? What in the world happened in that match? I I don't know. I I, <laughs> I really I can't explain it because I mean it. Yes, it was a bottle job for sure, but it yeah. wasn't wasn't like apart from the last five minutes, you could you couldn't really say that City looked like they were going to choke. I mean, they almost yeah. scored twice, right? Three minutes before. Right, Real Madrid scored, and Real Madrid didn't have any shots on target until because I, I loved how many times the coverage on CBS repeated it. Like the first shot on target was Rodrigo's first goal. The second t- shot on target was Rodrigo's second goal. The third shot on target was Benzema's goal. Yeah, and it just see I didn't get to tune into the CBS coverage because uh, I, I can I can watch m- most of my cable. Uh, most of my TV package online away from home, but I can't watch like the major networks because they're like locked in, in my house. So yeah. I have to tune in to, uh, I, I don't know if it's pronounced Tudin or if it's T-U-D-N, how you <laughs> say it, but it's it's awesome. I get the, the Spanish speaking broadcast and it's beautiful because in the middle of this match, the, the main, first of all, the main play-by-play guy on there uh, pronounces uh, Jack Grealish's name like relish <laughs> so it sounds like he's saying jack relish <laughs> and i'm like that's awesome ja relish is how it comes out but secondly in the middle of this high intense match i think it was in extra time uh he just stops everything and com- completely in english just goes may the fourth be with you <laughs> i was like this broadcast is awesome <laughs> so good but yeah, anyway, sorry, I just had to interject with that. I I used to get that coverage. I don't anymore. But yeah, it was great. Like they have 18 commentators on each yep. match. I don't even know who's I don't even know what they label like the role. It's like no. play by play, color commentary, the crew. Like that's yeah. just the rest yeah. of them. Seven but, dudes, yeah. seven dudes on the sidelines, just like Drinking watching. And just, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. They have a bar set up. They're throwing back pints and talking on like headset mics. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, I I can't explain it other than there's just some teams that just they they just do it in the Champions League. Like we're yeah. one of them. Real Madrid's one of them. They just happen. Via Real. Yeah, Via Real. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, you can't really explain it. And then once the first one went in, like it was over, you could see it. Yeah. That's, that's when it was really over. That's when the panic set in. Yeah. That's when you could see the heads go like, how is this happening? Pep was screaming internally. Like his, his turtleneck became a crew neck because his <laughs> head nearly exploded. Like I, it was just, it was just insane. I don't really know how to explain it. It was so bizarre. It was such a boring match. For so long, yeah, with two teams just flat out not, just not executing well, <laughs> and then abject chaos for about you know forty five minutes. It was amazing. It was crazy to watch. I mean, Real almost won it before extra time. Rodrigo yeah. almost had a hat trick. Yeah, just insane. All right, so uh, looking ahead towards that match on the twenty eighth. Hey, what? I mean, this is a different at least slightly different real team than we might have seen back in uh what was that 2018 mm-hmm. is that right 2018 20 i'm getting my years mixed up 
Um, you know, it's that whole COVID effect. Like anything that happened before 2020 in my head happened 38 years ago. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't remember now. Uh, it, it, the, but anyway, it was 2018. Uh, this is a different squad. Obviously, a lot of players that were were there in the past, not there now. A lot of newer dudes. Uh, some, but then still a lot of like familiar faces. <laughs> you say that, you know, but yeah. not really. Yeah, but not really. You're not really, you know. Um, but like you got some differences. You got you got some. You got Kareem Benzema, which is just like, I don't know. It, it, does he age? I don't think he does. You know, he's one of those guys. But it, what's up with this Real team right now? Well, like you know, different. I don't know what's up with Real these days. What type of Real team uh, for those that are listening in that maybe don't you know keep up with them as much or, or really uh, like me have been so spiteful ever since that 2018 final have not wanted to ever lay eyes on them. Uh, what, 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 what type of team are they these days? It's, it's really not that much different than it was when we played them last time. Uh, I mean, it's probably the oldest strategy in the book is pass it forward to the fast guy who will yeah. pass it over to the good guy. Yeah. That's it. Like they have every now and then the the nature of the assist will change and they have just been finding ways to dig themselves out of holes all season um and just will by sheer force of will make things happen. But yeah, what it all boils down to is Vinicius is really fast and really skillful. Yeah. Sometimes he'll score himself. Most of the time he will be really fast and really skillful and then pass it to Benzema who will score or get fouled for a penalty, and then Benzema will score the penalty. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't really get that much more complicated than that. They still have the same midfield three who still do the same things. Casemiro yeah. is the La Liga Fernandinho. I, it's funny that everyone was so furious that he didn't get sent off. Like We knew this was going to happen. He rarely ever gets yellow cards. He's never going to get a red card. Like He just gets away with it. I mean, Modric is Modric. He's playing... Uh, I know a lot of people have been saying he's playing better than when he won the Ballon d'Or, and that's probably true. Uh, it's incredible he's able to do it when he's 98 years old at this point. Yeah. Um, and then Tony Kroos has just been the same player for, I don't know, yeah. 10 years. He just does it. Um, the only real change is that they don't have Ramos anymore to no. piss everybody off. They just spread that duty throughout the whole team. But it's yeah. not as concentrated, so you, you don't just get as angry. <laughs> but uh, it's... I, I mean, they, they're, it's kind of like what happened last time too. Like you look at them and you're like, they're not really that good. And then yeah. you look at what they're doing and they're, they won La Liga and they're in the Champions League final. So like they are good, but it's not anything too complicated. They all, they, the one thing that worries me about this match is that historically when we've played Carlo Ancelotti teams, they've been awful. Like he, yeah. something about him, he just knows how to get in the way of Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. And I, I know we've evolved since the last times we've played them, but that is my worry. Cause he's a good manager and he's got a terrifying eyebrow and he yeah. knows how to get things. He knows how to make things happen, but that's where the real battle is going to happen. There's three people I'm worried about in this match. Vinicius, Benzema and Ancelotti. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Uh, I guess you know, I also think about, you know, this is they the changes that, that in my head, you know, pop up when talking about Real is obviously the managerial change. 
Um, as you mentioned, you know, Sergio Ramos not being there. Uh, obviously, um, Ron Alod is not there anymore. Um, Christian Ron Alod. Um, but then also, you know, it's the the addition of, of Thibault Courtois, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, I think did, he got there like right after. I think it was like that summer of 2018 or something like that, I think, wasn't it? I forget. Either yeah, way, I lo- yeah. either way, I had to look it up. He was not he was not their goalkeeper when we played him. I just had yeah, to check out last time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, there's those those changes, and those are some crucial players that stand out. But yeah, you're absolutely right. At the same time, it's not it it's not that much different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vinicius is there instead of Ron Alad, and um, you know Ramos is. Uh, we can't really get full revenge on them by beating them in a couple of weeks because Ramos isn't there, but it's still going to be just as sweet when we beat them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. So like what, what is it about that? Um, what is it about uh, Ancelotti who, uh, what does he do? You think that that is kind of a bit of a foil for us? Is there something in particular or is it just kind of like there's weird, bad juju that happens when we go up against his teams? I mean, it might be a little bit of both at this point, but yeah, I mean, sense, he's, yeah. he understands defensive shape for sure. And mm. his best teams uh, of in recent memory have been counterattacking teams that just go quickly. And that's where they thrive when they're hunkering yeah. down a bit deeper and then spraying the ball out wide or that you don't ever, you don't really see them as like a slow build possession team. They, they do what they do because they're fast. Um, but he, he understands, like how we want to attack and knows how to close them down. And he's, he is a master apart from his stint at Bayern of getting huge players to do mm. hard work. Um, mm. And it's been said before, but he obviously learned that under Rigo Saki when he played at Milan, where that team was insane, but they were like good, but also super defensively stout. And so he's able to bring that and be a, a counterattacking master. So fully expecting that to happen and, uh, the the big difference now from when we're playing him for the last time we've played him is that this team is on another level and we have mm-hmm. more wild cards that we can show and that yeah. are system breakers that will more likely to draw people out because of yeah. how they approach the game. I mean, we've got uh, we will have you know uh, uh, the options of if something does you know oh, it, let's sorry just... Brighton just scored. <laughs> Okay, yes. Go Seagulls. Ron Alad is pissed. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he started off pissed. Um, you know, we have we don't just have the depth of uh, you know, a, a Jota or a real proper replacement for like, you know, God forbid if something did happen to uh Salah or Mane. Um, in this matchup as well, we've yeah we feel more comfortable with what Diaz, what Jota, you know, would bring to you know stepping into that position there. We don't have to worry about Dejan Lovren anymore. We don't. <laughs> yeah, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I don't. I know there's so many ways that people will try and can defend him as a as a center back when he was with us, and like I get it. I feel like even like. People, I feel like Will and Zach on this podcast had defended him at certain times, or maybe it was just Will, or maybe it was, yeah, it was probably just Will. I think it was just Will. I'm going to call Will out. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, I just I couldn't stand him as a player. So yeah. error pro. We we won't really have to worry about Loris Carius getting hit in the head and like yeah. ruining his career. <laughs> yeah, we we feel so much more confident on the, from the back all the way up to the front. If if Real is kind of a different team, but still has a lot of the same pieces, we are an entirely different team right now than yes. we were in 2018. And that's what gives me a lot of optimism going into it because this we seem to have built a team that just knows when it's a, a, a do or die you know competition like this we just know how to compete for it and yeah. let, let's just say that everything in the Premier League plays out the way it looks like it, it you know probably will and you know we end up one point short in in second place uh so much more motivation yeah <laughs> going, going into uh, this one, but let's say that things in the Premier League play out in our favor. Even more motivation because yeah. then we're like, we could get a, 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 a you know, a pro- at that point we can be aiming for the quad if we win next week. You know, it's just we have a lot going for us, it seems, uh, or a lot of motivation that we can rely on, and that's really helpful. And Bless him, we won't have to start James Milner in center field. Like, I'm looking back on this lineup and, and seeing just how different our team – this was our starting 11. Carius, Trent, Lovren, Virgil, Andy. Then it was Millie, Hendo, Genie, Mo, Bobby, Sadio. Our two subs who came on were my man, Emery Chan, and Adam Lalana. Adam Lalana was our sub when yeah. Mohamed Salah got hurt. Man. Yeah. <laughs> we are so different. It's night and day. Even just not having Lovren, even just having yeah. someone solid next to him, yep. whether it be Konate, who's been our Champions League guy, or Matip, who's just been one of the best center backs in the league alongside Virgil. Like it, it's it's amazing to think of those options. And, and even in attack, like it's not going to be Lana. We're not going to make two subs. <laughs> like that's no. the, the crazy thing. Like, we only had, really felt we had enough d- quality and depth to make two subs. Yeah. I mean, the, our, our other bench guys were Ragnar Clavin. Bless him. He, he fit the role. He was what we needed for him to be. He, he was never going to play in that match. Yeah. <laughs> two fullbacks, Nathaniel Klein and Alberto Moreno. <laughs> And then Dominic Solanke, you know? Yeah. That was our bench. And we were in a Champions League final. I look back on it now and I'm like, why did we ever trust any of those people? Yeah. We were How blind. Did this we were blind. It's just so different. And it, it gives me a lot of hope. But uh I, I don't want to I don't want to keep harping on the Champions League. I do want to touch on the FA since that is coming up in just a week's time. Uh, obviously we got to witness a, a glorious match between Chelsea and Wolves right before things got going here. Um, what, what do we need to expect going up against Chelsea uh, next Saturday, May 14th, Alex? Um, I think it will be, they'll, they'll probably approach the match in a similar manner to how they did the last time we played. The difference being they're just so out of form right now Yeah, um, that it, they might take it even more defensive approach. Uh, I'm kind of guessing it'll be Havertz and Werner up top for them to just run in behind us and hope for the best uh, along with Mason Mount. I just, I don't think they'll put us under as much pressure as they did last time. Cause last time they were still in it. They still had cohesion. They still kind of knew what they were doing. Now 
they look totally off it. And th- that said, the the result against Villarreal and the way it unfolded should help us not go into that thinking exactly what I just said, thinking yeah. this is a final and we just need to go take care of business because yeah. we should have beaten them every time we've played them this season. We yes. beat them last time in hilarious fashion, and we just need to go out and do it in the normal way this time because it should have happened multiple times and there's only so many times they can get away with scoring dumb stupid goals right not to mention you know you go back to the the carabao final like you feel like this is uh we have such a better chance of wrapping things up in regulation (laughs) yeah just the way things are right now like both teams look like different teams now than we did in that Carabao Cup final. Uh, at that point in time, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, Chelsea looks like the, a legit title contender as well. And like, we're still, we were still kind of, I don't want to say there was ever a point in, our, in this season in which we were finding our footing, because that seems inaccurate. But, you know, it still was like, what, around, when when even was that? When did that match happen now? Like, that was January? Yeah. February? I think it was January. I'm going to pull it up real quick just because I want to make sure I get it right. But, um, you know, it, it does to an extent feel like it was. Yeah, it was February. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, ages ago, just the way that March and April went for us in, in particular and how we are just all of a sudden firing on an even different level, but also for them, like you said, a club that's kind of more in shambles. So uh, definitely feel more optimistic about the ability to finish this thing off, mm-hmm. you know, and not leave it in doubt. But you just, you also kind of never know in, in, fi- in cup finals, right? You know, you just don't, you just don't, you got to be prepared for everything. So I'm with you on that. I think that the, uh, the, the Villarreal match should be something that keeps us locked in and focused on, on just doing the job, especially with the end in sight you know, with the with the league and the Champions League wrapping up in the next few weeks, uh, the the home stretch there, we know we're motivated. We know we're capable, and we're motivated because we know we're capable. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, we know we know we're motivated. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they were who we thought they were. Yeah, look look at us. We're motivated. <laughs> you know, like this. You don't brag about that. But. Uh, all right. So what what do you think happens in that matchup? You you feel good about us? Taking taking both of the domestic cups, I, I'm feeling confident. I won't be as soon as the match starts, but for right, right now, I am. And I think we also are just we'll we'll do a, a Champions League preview when it gets closer to time, um, if we can. But it, uh, I, I know we we both feel pretty confident. It's hard not to feel confident about this club doing yeah. everything. You know, right. it's hard not to. So it's an exciting time, but we could be. In just a few weeks, celebrating for sh- like for sure, we could be celebrating a triple. Um, who even knows about you know what might happen in the Premier League if we can maybe get a quadruple? But uh, two quick questions, Alex. First one: upcoming match against Tottenham. Probably by the time most people listen to this episode, that match will already have happened. But match against Tottenham, anything to worry about with them? Yeah, they. I, I saw it put hilariously that. Someone's like, some at some point down the line in history, someone's going to have to explain to me how the city team could beat everyone but Tottenham. 
Right. I, 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 they, I, we know how they do it. I mean, Conte, again, almost like Ancelotti a bit, yeah. but slightly different players. Knows how to build a solid defense and hit on the counter. He knows how to tap into the sun, Kulisevsky, be really fast and be really good. And Harry Kane drop in and play those balls to those fast, good guys. Like that's worrying. And I know how high our fullbacks like to play that that space could be exploited. But again, like we just talked about, we're really good and we don't have a reason to fear anybody at this point. It's just, this is kind of the, the one that you look at on the calendar for the run and be like, Ooh, this is, this is a test. Like this, yeah. this could be it. This could not be it, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're very good. I mean, we, I don't want us to end this episode without shouting out Mo Salah for being player of the season. Like yep. we have the player of the season on our team. And when he comes on, he makes defenses poop their pants. Like we saw this when he didn't start and then he came on as a sub and like we immediately scored yep. twice because he just comes on and everyone looks across the field and sees him trotting on like, Oh no, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. So I, I'm, uh, again, it'll be one of those where I'm confident beforehand when it starts and like, uh, get, get this over with, just score a goal and end the match. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to see 90 minutes, just make it five, just score a goal and end it. But yeah. I, I, I think we'll be okay. It's also a weird situation with them where, you know, you never want to, you know, I want us to win everything. Mm-hmm. And I would love, it would be absolutely unreal if the the quad were to happen. You know, it just would. Uh, at the same time, it's like, well, it, we also still have a, a triple we can aim for. We've also already gotten at least one, you know, domestic cup. Uh, and we're playing for another Champions League. There's a lot that, like, would soften the blow of the Premier League being out of our hands. There's a lot that's happening. So I don't mm-hmm. want it to sound like, oh, I'm, I'm writing off the Premier League chances or, like, I'm I don't I don't care because obviously I care. But right. at the same time, this team is so stinking good and is gonna have more trophies to show for it. And that it feels it softens the blow. It just feels a lot better, you know. Um yeah. looking at it and going, yeah, like the the league it's the Premier League itself, yeah, it'd be nice to snag another one. At the same time, like we're doing things that City just can't do and competing for Champions League titles. Yeah. You know, and that feels great. Uh, we're, we're on the cusp of winning everything else that we're eligible to win. That feels great. Yeah. So it, it kind of helps kind of cope a little bit with this, this, you know, lingering dread about how the rest of the Premier League season is likely to play out. Not, not set in stone, obviously at all, but like, there's a bit of it that um, that helps to to if if we if we stop for a moment and or if I stop for a moment and take a, a step back and look, it helps to kind of be like, hey, we're still doing great. No, and not just doing great in a moral victory standpoint, <laughs> doing great in a we're going to win more things standpoint, and it, it helps it helps deal with that. That being said, yeah, I hope we keep winning. I hope we win out in the Premier League. I hope we always put every bit of pressure on city that we possibly can to keep going. Because I think that after this week, especially they've got to be feeling a little bit rattled, you know, yeah. they have to be for sure. It, a, a loss like that can either be galvanizing or can be absolutely damning. And we'll see what happens with them. But uh, yeah, don't want to hark too much on that. 
Premier League because, like I said, who knows what what will even by the time you listen to this, who knows what will even have happened. <laughs> but we have two very exciting uh, trophy winning matches on the schedule in the, for the next three weeks, which is awesome. We got in one week FA Cup. In two weeks, I go on vacation. In three weeks, I fly back home from vacation, land like two hours before the Champions League final starts. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to land and be like, all right, time to get to the bar. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of doing something the same. Like the, the, the weekend, because it's Memorial Day weekend when the Champions League yep. final is going on. There's a music festival in Dallas, and I'm going to it. But I have to like plan out the, the lineup of like, okay, I'm going to get into the festival late that day. Because we yep. got we got a trophy to win, starting in mid afternoon, and I'm either yep. gonna be happy drinking or sad drinking after that. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's actually how it was in the in the Champions League final that uh, against Tottenham in 2019. We uh, there was like a, a music festival going on. It was in town, thankfully, so I didn't have to like travel anywhere. But like we all got together for that final, celebrated. And then I was like, well, I paid like premium tickets for like <laughs> so the, v- the VIP section that had like free food and drink, like included with the ticket for- cost. And I was like, well, this was great. And now I get to go make the most of that and celebrate for the rest yeah. of the day. So yeah, I did a similar thing, but it should be, should be a lot of fun over these next couple of weeks, just getting to watch everything that this team accomplishes. So that'll wrap things up here. We thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Alex, thank you, man, for all of your good insights, as always. I want to leave you one final quick question, the one I didn't give you a chance to prepare for, but I think you kind of know it's coming. New Home Kit was released. Your immediate impression of it. I hate saying this, uh, and I I, I don't know if I should give the real review because depending on how long it takes to edit, this might go out before the Tottenham game or after it. But in our rating system, it's a kit. It is okay. not good. It is a T-shirt that has the Puma 2006 World Cup like back flare on it. Yeah, and I don't like it. I did just buy the one for this season because it's on sale because the new okay. one was released, and I was like, I got to remember this team. Like this team, yeah. I I want the kit for this year when we were just so freaking good. But yeah, next year, I, it all hope rests on the away kit and the third kit. Yeah. Or um, we could be like Napoli and have 11 kits. Yep, why not? I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um for me, I'm not I'm not super critical about it. I think this is such a middle of the pack kit that I can't feel super positive or super negative about it. Um of course there's like the traditionalist in me is like Ah, well, of course, you know, I like that it's just, it's not a crazy pattern. It's it's a straight red. That's nice. There's also a traditionalist in me that's like, well, you could have at least put some white on like the neck or the collars. It you doesn't know? have a collar. It's like it doesn't have a collar. shirt and yeah. tucked this part in and it just kind of ended. So that, yeah. So that's kind of weirded me out. You're right. But there's also part of me that, you know, I like the fact that it, it does have like some, you have to zoom in to like see it, but it does have some texture going on. And so that kind of helps it, I think look a little bit more alive but again it is for me it is i i feel nothing about it which is weird because this is the team i love and 
I should feel something. <laughs> so I just don't. And so it's just, it's middle of the pack meh for me. Yeah. I mean, that I, the, you get Nike and you get all the recognition and you get the bigger sponsorship dollars and stuff, but you also get the template. That's what you're yes. going to get. Unless you're exactly. the Nigerian national team, you're going to get the template from yep. them. And it's kind of disappointing. Well, I will still take that over Puma making a template. Oh my gosh. This year of all of those, where it's just the, it looks like a warm up. Like I just, I, I just felt, I didn't feel bad for Man City losing to Real Madrid. I felt bad for Man City having to wear those kits. It's what led to the loss. It's happened. I think so. Because they were wearing that. I think so. Disgusting. I, <laughs> it is. It's, it's a travesty. It's an embarrassment to the sport. <laughs> yeah. Obama. Right, ra- <laughs> Thanks, Obama. All right, let's go wrap things up here. We appreciate you tuning in. Obviously, we know that Barack Obama had nothing to do with the Puma kits. And uh, that we're going to leave you with that. (laughs) (laughs) This has been You'll Never Talk Alone. That was Alex Lovell. Thank you, sir. I'm your friend Joseph Craven. And on behalf of all of our comrades who cannot be with us on this podcast uh, due to not wanting to be here, (laughs) Andrew Hinsworth, Will Cave, Zach Osborne, thank you all for tuning in and listening. And we'll catch you next time.